listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Coming up, more Australians making a tree change. Qantas still under pressure and Liontown Resources, the lithium company, gets another takeover. That's next. Your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 4th of September 2023. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with David Burthen-Jones from Equitas Investment Partners on the day's market action, including a preview on the RBA's decision on interest rates tomorrow. It'll be the last for the current Governor, Philip Lowe. But first, a growing number of Australians are trading in city living for a life in the regions. For more, Raina Bosch spoke with Liz Ritchie, the CEO of the Regional Australia Institute. Yeah, look, this new Big Movers report is clearly showing us that there's a big push to the regions. Uh, What we've seen in this census period is almost a tripling of the net population movement uh, from our capital cities to our regional communities. So so this is a big change from the census period uh, up to 2016. And when you start to look at what some of these changes mean, we've really focused heavily on the millennial cohort because they have been the group that's seen the greatest amount of movement and that's a really exciting demographic to have moving to the regions. So Liz, what are the main drivers? Yes, look, consistently we know that affordability is a main driver, but we also know that employment opportunities is also part of the reason. Uh, We've seen record job growth in our regions, in fact, three times in in the last uh, calendar year to 2022, uh, three times the growth that our metropolitan areas have seen. So this job uh, boom, as we call it, is very much uh, a leading factor for our millennials. So that's the 25 to 39-year-old age bracket who are making the move and they're looking at career opportunities and lifestyle opportunities. They're just simply looking for a better way of living. You spoke about career opportunities. How much does this have to do with COVID? We think it is a driving force. Um, we definitely think it is a driving force because, um, you know, we know that prior to this census period, uh, the Regional Australia Institute already unearthed that uh, more people were moving to regions than capital cities. We already knew that trend was existing. Um, but what we're seeing now is it's been supercharged. So, you know, you have to consider what of the factors, what's changed. And of course, COVID did happen within that time span, about the last 15 months of that census period, we were in COVID. So, you know, when you think about, well, what does that mean now? What does that mean into the future? And for us, this is why we think that this trend is very much here to stay. People are working in different ways. They're taking uh, flexibility. They're taking their jobs with them. Families are moving. Some are taking jobs in place in regional locations while their partner might uh, remain in their job that they may have held in the city. So, you know, there's far more options and far more choice for people than we've ever had previously. Can you expand a bit further on this cost of living issue? Yeah, look, the cost of living is multidimensional. So, of course, housing comes into it. We know that uh, certainly our millennials are really struggling to get into the housing market. So that's a really big driver for them. But we've also heard from uh, our tradies, for example, who said, you know, the cost of doing business in the cities is just, you know, next level because they're wasting so much time sitting in traffic. They've actually said to us that, you know, we don't have a secure 
secure pipeline. And so for them, you know, just actually going to work each day is costing them. Um, you know, it is uh, it is costly to live in, in the cities and to pay for the parking. Uh, you know, we know this consistently. So it's a, it's a combination. Another interesting point that this report mentions is on foreign-born nationals. How are they feeding into this? Again, I think the overseas-born uh, population, you know, they're energetic, they are ambitious, they've moved to a new country and they're wanting to make the best life that they possibly can. Now, again, of course, many of the overseas-born uh, cohort that are captured in these numbers are also millennials. So depending whether they're, you know, fancy-free and, you know, looking for adventure and mobility that, you know, the different job opportunities that they can find right across Australia, you've got that part of the cohort, but you've also got the families. So if you're a migrant family, what better opportunity than to take, you know, a professional role in in rural or regional Australia and have the opportunity to buy a family home as well. So we think it's a big driver and we'd like to see a lot more focus on our uh, international migration and how we might directly target those migrants to keep making the decision to move to the regions. What does this mean for regional Australia in terms of infrastructure? Well, I mean, it means a couple of things. Of course, in change, there's always opportunities and challenges. So the opportunities are that this cohort are moving and bringing their skills and education and filling the jobs, these record job vacancies that we have. So that's a good news story. But of course, the downside is that we haven't caught up in time in terms of the infrastructure. So, you know, we need more houses. We need more mixed dwelling in our houses. So we need more townhouses. We need more apartments. Again, it's about choice. These millennials don't necessarily want a half-acre block. They're not always interested in gardening on weekends. So we know this about them. Uh, So that's a big, you know, it is a challenge. Uh, Following that, we know that you need to be thinking about, well, if I'm moving my family, what will the education opportunities be? What childcare services will I have? And will I be able to get into a new GP? Now, these are big and important questions, which is why the Institute 12 months ago launched the regionalisation and 2032, which really started to bring together a holistic plan uh, to think about all of these issues uh, in parallel. So how do we, you know, think about jobs and skills in relation to livability, in relation to population? You know, we can't fill the jobs if we don't have the people. We can't build the houses if we don't have the skilled tradies. So these are really interconnected challenges that we have. And next week, the Institute is is uh, unveiling our first year progress report, which will discuss how we're going in terms of the 20 targets that we've set. And finally, Liz, what is your message to those people looking to make the move? So, you know, our message is that the move is on and we run a national campaign called Move to More. Uh, And we did this several years ago because we wanted to talk to city dwellers in particular to say there are opportunities in regional Australia. And, you know, we want to ensure that those city dwellers are understanding what's on offer and what's available. We need their skills Uh, You know, we need their contribution to our regional communities. So, you know, we know that we don't want to be a nation of megacities. So how do we start to think about how we can have a broader and more diverse population settlement that can support our nation both now and into the decades ahead? Liz Ritchie there speaking with Raina Bosch. 
Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market started the week on a positive note. The S&P ASX 200 up 0.6%, 7,318. For more, I spoke with David Burton-Jones. He is the Joint Chief Investment Officer at Aquitus Investment Partners. We've gotten some good news of late. Um, The US economy continues to cool from overheated levels, but that's without tipping into a recession. That's what we saw on Friday with the non-farm payrolls data of 187,000 new jobs that were created in the month. Now that's a, a pace that we can all live with. And over the past couple of weeks, we've, we've gotten a fairly steady drip of market-friendly initiatives out of China. So they're lowering borrowing costs, they're shoveling money out the door to, to try and support infrastructure projects, they're trying to remove some of the red tape that prevents transactions in property from occurring, uh, that sort of thing. And, of course, the market liked all of that. A lot of economic news coming out this week as well. I think we've got GDP numbers on Wednesday. But one key thing is the RBA's meeting tomorrow. It's the final one from the RBA Governor, Philip Lowe. What's the market expecting? Yes, going out on a quiet note, I guess, um, really expecting nothing on on hold. Um, so the peak in the forecast cash rate has flattened out quite a bit, and the market isn't totally sure if the RBA is completely done, but the odds of more hikes have gone down, and they've gone down by quite a bit. So inflation here in Australia is trending in the right direction, as it is globally. So central banks, including our own, are, are really now switching to a wait-and-see type posture, and that's also quite market-friendly. Okay, let's talk about some um, markets-related news today. Qantas shares continuing to slide. Today it said in a statement that it acknowledged its reputation has been hit as the ACCC launched that legal action over the alleged sale of tickets on cancelled flight. So in your opinion, to what extent has investor sentiment turned at the airline? It's turned quite a bit. Um, The stock is now down some 13%, I think, from peak and the company was only trading on a, a PE ratio, a price to earnings ratio of about seven times before this. So it was ostensibly a, a cheap stock already. And it's one that's now getting cheaper. The political optics, they are quite poor, ranging from this uh, seats for no service issue that you mentioned to undue influence in keeping the competition out, which was this recent Qantas uh, Qatar Airways issue. And of course, uh, from having a politician's son in the chairman's lounge. So all of that has been swirling around in the background uh, at the moment. But it's also the case from a fundamentals perspective that Qantas plan to increase their capital expenditure profile by quite a bit over the next few years. And that does mean less cash flows to fund dividend growth. There's also the threat of a slowdown in travel as uh, consumers and corporates tighten their belts. So there's uh, quite a few things happening to Qantas at the moment, not one for us. Okay. Uh, Lithium in the news today, a revised takeover approach for a company called Lion Town Resources. What do you know? And does it have the potential to spark further interest in lithium? Yeah. So the, the Lion Town bid back in March, that, that did cause quite a short squeeze in the lithium names. So I think the, the revitalizing of sentiment really did begin back then. Now, the threat of takeover is always real with small cap miners. But to your question, though, uh, a lot of the lithium plays, they are starting to experience cost blowouts in their projects. Alchem flagged a potentially sizable delay to their lithium carbonate plant just a little while back. And other miners that I won't name have much scarier stories about what level of production they can actually run at and at what grade. So there's a a lot of lithium out there, but mining is hard. Strip ratios keep going up, and so are all the costs of production. 
So I would not be uh, expecting a flurry of takeovers when quite a few names are pointing to to problems in their scoping studies or to their DFS, their uh, detailed feasibility studies. And finally, where do you see the opportunities for investors at the moment? We are quite defensively positioned at the moment, and we have been so for, for a little while now. So we're underweight Australian shares, and we prefer to be overweight international equities. We're quite happily overweight investment-grade credit and Australian government bonds. And for all three, really, it, it's all about the slowdown in the domestic economy brought on by higher mortgage rates for us. Within the equity sleeves of our portfolios, we're, we're sitting in the telcos, in the consumer staples, in healthcare and insurance. These are, are sectors that typically have uh, very high quality companies in them. They're not reliant on strong economic growth to perform well. Um, by its inverse or corollary, I, I think the consumer discretionary names will probably be in income downgrade mode over the next couple of quarters. David Burthon Jones there from Equitus Investment Partners. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.